Hello and welcome to Death of a Thousand Cuts, making you an awesome writer one cut at a time. My name's Tim Clare and this is a show about writing for writers, for readers and for anyone who's interested in how the story sausage is made. We've got three, count them, three central planks to our writing manifesto stroke broad goal for this show and, and those I never get I never get this bit out in a way that feels natural or right one like my goal ultimately with the show right is not only the whole intro but the whole episode becomes uh rote and automatic from the beginning to the end I just I I, I that I expand this intro so long that eventually the whole show is just the intro and the, every show is just identical. I record them separately, but I don't even have to think. But for now, that remains that remains a, a, a shining city on a distant hill shrouded in fog that I glimpse briefly on my wanderings. But look, basically, there's three things that I want to do with this show. I want to help you write more. I want to help you write better. And I want to help you to be happier when you do it. And... Um, Everything I do is in some way uh, attempting to contribute towards those ends. Now, I don't always achieve it because also I've gone <laughs> because I'm lying because that's a com because that's a lie. It's not a complete lie. It's a partial lie, though, because I've got ulterior motives. Right. I'm a writer myself. I've got a book coming out at the time of recording in one week and I'm shitting myself, not literally, but you know, uh, m metaphorically. I'm getting, you know, I'm getting to the toilet on time. That's fine. I don't want to. This isn't, you know, I'm not trying to sneak out bowel issues. There's nothing, you know, there's nothing shameful about um, soiling yourself. I'm just saying I, that's not something that I'm currently going through. But you know, I'm, I'm, I'm nervous. I'm, which is fairly standard. <laughs> <laughs> for me <laughs> that's you know that's not that's not entirely unexpected for uh for older anxiety disorder tim but i'm also excited i am excited i am pleased it's finished but it's just i started writing it in august of, of 2014 it's been a long time and it's about to land next thursday and i'm sure it will be both uh, a relief exciting and an incredible anticlimax because nothing really happens on the book day the sky isn't a different color the uh you don't suddenly hear people you don't feel people reading it you don't wake up in bed and your eyes slam open and you go it's loose like it's it a book starts to come out in drips and drabs from the moment that you send it out to your agent the moment that you show it to beta readers the mo moment you take a chapter to your writing group and say hey what do you think the moment you share a sentence from your work in progress on on twitter or facebook or instagram or whatever the moment you tell someone i'm kind of like working on a thing it feels like it might be a book each of those is like a a, a mini release each of those is like a mini publication each of those is like a way of just cranking the door to your to the room in which you write open just another millimetre and, and letting some light in and let the sort of peering eyes of the outside world into this um, weird, shameful little habit that we do, us little story goblins. All of those things are like soft uh, releases. They're ways of slowly sliding our toe another inch into the water. And so by... I mean, that is a long-ass toe, isn't it? If... if, if if we can over all of those things equals one inch of toe so i named like at least seven things like a seven inch that a seven inch toe that is n that's not a toe that is a horrible penis um sorry but like what i'm saying is um what i think i'm saying is what i'm attempting to say i might not be saying it, it might be saying something completely different i mean that's the beauty of writing isn't it that we mistranslate our own thoughts and we come out with something that is alien even to us and that can be one of the great exciting things about writing but as you can tell like i'm nervous i'm excited and all these things but when the book actually lands on shelves you've i've already got look i've got physical copies here you can here that's a, a hardback copy of the ice house it looks gorgeous but like the already the book already exists so that's not a thing that will suddenly happen on thursday i've handled lots of copies of it um 
the book is not gonna be the first time people have read it because you know my agent and editor have read it you know all my publishers have read it it's also gone out to loads of writers it's now gone out to reviewers it's gone out on netgalley so people have advanced reading copies and digital copies people have already started to review it so all of those things already that's ongoing so the launch day now, I, I realise I might be undermining slightly the premise of today's episode, which is going to be a writing ramble, in case you don't know. A writing ramble is one of the episodes where I'm not at all scripted. It's not me chatting to someone else. It's just me chatting to you, talking about my life as a writer and things that are on my mind. I think, you know, I, I always start these episodes off by justifying why I do them. I don't need to. People listen to them and get in touch to say that they enjoy them. They're not for everyone who listens to the show. And I realise that they are very different to a format where I'm looking at a reader's first page or where I'm speaking to another author because they're just me talking about me. And uh, perhaps I, I probably feel like slightly more uh, under pressure to prove myself in a way that I don't when I bring on another author and say, hey, look at this. That's obviously adding value. Me talking to you in a room alone could be seen by some as self-indulgent uh, i happen to think self-indulgence is a wonderful thing that we should do more of as human beings it's not generally a way of um a fairly harmless way of increasing the uh, net happiness in the world without hurting anyone but um that was a very defensive tim the but what i'm trying to sort of stay the point i'm staggering afterwards like a kind of zombie with bits of um rhetorical limbs falling off hit hither and thither is that um i really enjoy doing these episodes and i think it is useful to get an insight into a writer's actual life because like the thing is i'm very aware now as i've got like a week to the book coming up or a week until the book comes out Part of me wants to, and I think this is one of the things I find really difficult about writing as a career rather than writing the craft of sitting down and making words appear on the page that aren't shit. The the writing side, I often feel like even when I'm talking to you now, now I've got a book coming out, I know that I'm going to put a link in the show notes to this with all sorts of different ways that you can pre-order my book or by the time you listen to this, probably order it and just buy it. I, I want you to um, feel invested in my story, feel a part of it. Part of me definitely feels the best thing I can do here is create like this narrative that makes you feel like you're going on a journey with me. And also that the book sounds fucking cool. And so you'll want to go and buy the book or buy it for other people. Be part of that. Be like my street team. I, I, part of me, and you know, this is one of the great horrors of capitalism, right, is, is, is I, I want to turn you into a source of revenue i feel genuinely this pressure to like are you doing something that is going to sell your book to people um and then there's this other thing which is is wanting to talk as myself you know and of course all you know personality and being a human being is, a, is, is in some way a performance i'm not suggesting that there is always like underneath everything this kind of like glowing nugget of authentic selfhood uh just a series of different modes and performances and yada 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 but i said yada 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 as if like we all agree what's part what how that argument ends like <laughs> what what i was doing is covering up the fact i don't really know how to finish that without going down a rabbit hole and revealing my ignorance but instead i went yada 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 as if, of course we all we all agree on this broad definition of selfhood as a series of sort of adjacent performances and i'm just gonna say yada 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 because we're all intellectuals here no we're not none of us agree on that thing we've all got very different ideas about it otherwise we wouldn't be writing right if we agreed intrinsically with how the rest of the world sees it we've got different ways what 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 i mean to say is me and you don't have to agree on what that is that's not important for this argument what i'm saying is i've got another imperative which is to make a podcast that when I talk about writing, it's fucking honest, right? Like, it's really interesting and useful to me when I chat to other writers to get these moments of concordance where I go, shit, I felt that too. I, you know, I, you can feel me, like, actively jonesing for the bits where they talk about, you know, being, feeling like shit and, and just eating bags of Watsits or Cheetos, whichever, you know, side of the Atlantic you happen to be on in there underpants feeling miserable and crap about themselves and hating life I, I i i live for those moments where uh writers admit they don't have a fucking idea what they're doing when they've been blocked of course i also enjoy the the breakthrough moments the insights the points where they talk about 
oh, and I felt like crap for ages. And then I thought about it this way, or then I did this exercise, or and then I came to this realization about myself, and I broke through. And here's how I kind of can get satisfaction out of my craft. Here's how. I've been able to write regularly. Here's how I've been able to overcome kind of the fear of creativity. Um, I, I love those bits as well. But, you know, part of that journey, again, we're looking for narrative shape here. We're looking for um, uh, uh, Freytag's pyramid of rising and falling action. Right. I want that increasing tension of like, I don't know what I'm doing. And it makes me feel better. And so part of me also wants to talk about like... I never want to be cynical about these things. I think it's possible to be in a place as a writer and, and go, oh, the industry, oh, the, the hell of it. And uh, I think people often, when they're having a crap time with writing, um, extrapolate from that and generalise from their experiences to talk about the entire industry when actually we are, although we talk about this unified thing, the publishing industry as this monolith, this gestalt entity what you've got then is loads of publishers well not not to be fair loads but you know you know several publishers and then indie publishers and then small presses bookshops different ways of getting stuff we've now got self-publishing as like a genuine force that it just wasn't even 10 years ago that there is a genuine you know monetizable career path of self-publishing and and then all the things all the people who are self-publishing who aren't doing it as a career but it's a really effective and valid way of them connecting with an audience you know they might be not be earning a full-time income but they are getting their work is getting to the biggest audience it could through that all of those people talking uh, uh, we can't generalize anymore i think about publishing and any you know and what it is to be a writer i love talking about this stuff um but it's just important to me that I talk about the moments when I'm feeling... I mean, I'm not feeling crappy at the moment, but I think it's good for me to talk about these things unguarded without necessarily having an agenda. Now, of course, I will always have an agenda, even if it's invisible to myself. But I just think, you know, one of the bits of value that I can give you when I do this show isn't just here's five ways you can you know edit your first page to make it super great here's how to write a query letter like i've talked about this before but i think the obsession online with how to write query letters and how to query is just is makes i just don't know what's going on with pitches and queries and all this it's like this folk that is not <laughs> where any of you that's not where people are falling down it's not like there's not loads of agents going god like the quality of work standard out of work out there is so good but i keep having to turn it down because of these these boring ass query letters like i love the writer i love their work i yearn to represent them but they just keep formatting their query letter wrong so i have to let them go that's not what's going on right sorry side ramp but i'm not having a bad time of it at the moment but i just think you know so often when we talk to writers when we hear from writers it's in the format of an interview it's in the format of a feature in a newspaper it's them talking on social media and you know that can't help but be a product that can't help but be performance and I'm not, you know, again, I don't want to make it sound like I'm claiming and here's me with the realness. This is like just me and you talking. But I think the fact that I do these completely unplanned, not really knowing what I'm going to talk about when I get on the mic, um, I hope that it just means I don't quite have the skill. If you If you cannot permit me the virtue of honesty, allow me the vice of incompetence that i lack the skill and artifice to effectively bullshit you without leaking at least some stuff of what is genuinely my experience as a writer and then we get the other authors on here to talk about theirs and hopefully i'm able to i'm never going to be like like pinning them to the wall interrogating them i you know i want them to like me uh i'm you know i'm socially nervous i i'm not a great fan of conflict so I'm always going to be I try to get people on that I'm interested in talking to and I'll always be slightly a kind of sycophantic suck. I've, I've really struggled not to, um, especially when I'm nervous or I don't know them so well. 
but I have, you know, in in chance I have said, no, that's, what? Is that true? That's bullshit. Come on. Yeah, I try to at least, like, tease some stuff out um, of them, uh, especially when I get on with them well, actually. I think the people that I tend to challenge the most are the people I feel most comfortable with. I think that's not, you know, not surprising. I'm glad at some point I'm going to chat to someone who's going to say something deeply controversial or something that I think is might be hurtful or offensive and I'm not going to know how to deal with it because I'm not a skilled interviewer um but when I talk to you at least you can get an insight into what it's like for me what I'm going through and then if you know down the line you get a book out you get an agent you can make informed decisions about this you'll have some idea you'll have some data points it's not going to be the be all and end all you're not going to hear this and go well this is going to be exactly my experience because you're not going to write the same books as me i doubt that you are going to write super weird crunchy uh, sort of intricate literary fantasy that has all sorts of wheels within wheels and made up worlds and just it's kind of like this overwrought kind of like ticking porcelain cogworks of slimy madness that you know that's what i write at the moment and i enjoy writing it you know if you are writing detective fiction if you're writing a crime thriller if you're going to be going in and writing a piece of literary fiction and if you're in a different country or whatever you're going to have different experiences to me of course but hopefully there are going to be some concordances hopefully there's going to be some things that when i talk about my work you'll be able to go aha and if you're listening going well you know tim i I doubt whether there's going to come the day when i get published myself I've got to say to you, well, you're free to to doubt. I don't actually, you know, you. It, I, I can't in this chat. It, my purpose of this chat is not to um, puff you up and um, and motivate you. We'll leave that for another episode. I'd love to do that, um, but you know, if you doubt that it's that it's possible, uh, if well, if you doubt that it's likely, then you still permit the chance that it's possible. And um, that's all I can say to you is it's it is that there's going to be lots of sort of extraneous forces moving around, um, conspiring to make it easier or harder. And ultimately, if you want to go down the trad published route rather than being self published, then uh, some of the discrete decisions of when you send something out on submission are going to be in the lap of other people you know like like if you go to get a job somewhere or something there are going to be gatekeepers and you don't have 100 percent control over what they like or don't like um in the way that you do have a bit more control if you're self-published but then there's other issues that kind of come into that but do i think you could be a writer and do as well as me or to do as well as some other people on the sh- on the show that I've had on to chat yeah I I, I think definitely like I, I don't you know that my opinion has always been that there's no thing, such thing as a good writer or a bad writer that's just someone who has been trained in writing and someone who is untrained in writing you know we we've now talked about this in terms of and i know like i can be a bit reductionist on the neuroscience side of things but we can see the differences in the human brain from someone who's a trained writer versus an untrained writer we know that you can't pitch a book you can't send it out there until you've written it so if you haven't finished your novel and then you haven't gone back and edited it and and trained yourself in the art of self-editing to make your work good on the line that's all stuff that that's like you're improvable you know that's a, a fundamental belief in the improvability of humans as artists i have that's you know one of the grand tenets of my faith that there's no real innate talent we've got a couple of starting points but that it's all about improvability and you can do that now i'm sort of six days away from my book coming out and i'm six days you know and then there's going to be reviews are going to start coming out of it and I'm having to deal with the, not possibility, but likelihood that some people are going to fucking hate it. And some people are going to, some people are going to think it's all right. You know, there's already some like reviews up on NetGalley. There's a couple of online reviews. There's some on, uh, on Goodreads. Some people like it. And some people are just like, oh, this is a bit complicated. Don't really understand it. 
And, you know, like none of that plays into things. I didn't totally hear that and go, well, that's bollocks. Oh, oh, well, you don't. It's a bit too complicated. Well, I can dismiss that. I'm like, yeah, it is a bit complicated. Yeah, I mean, that was one of the problems I had writing it. You know, it, it's the same when, like, the honours came out. It's so funny. Like, some people really loved it. Some people hated it. And some people were in the middle. And it's, like, difficult when someone's in the middle. Because often, you know, haters going to make some valid points. Like, people are like, uh it's like the literary stuff is good and, and, and it's like very, you can very easily, like I hear a lot of authors talking about reviews. We're going to go here, are we, Tim? Are we going to start talking about how you respond to reviews? Yeah, all right. Yeah, I mean, I feel a bit vulnerable talking about this. You know, I want to I wanna say, oh, I just don't read reviews. No, I mean, like people are free to think what they want, but I just move on. I do read reviews. I think I read, read every review of my work so far. Like I just, I, it's weird to, to me as someone who's like, had a career as a performer minor career but one that earned me my salary for you know each year you know going up on stage telling jokes like it was important feedback for me to know if people were laughing if people were paying attention if people were enjoying it that's how you refine your set right so to suddenly go i'm going to start writing and i'm not going to check if people enjoy it i'm just going to send it out there i'm going to write my book send it out there and then, nah, and then I don't care. Apart from my agent and my editors, there's two people. And then the rest of the book is just out there. And I do not, I'm not going to engage with whether people like it or not. I do not care how it connects. This thing that took me one year, two years, four years to write. You know, I'm interested in it. If I tell a joke on stage that maybe took me all of 60 seconds to come up with, maybe it was an ad lib. Oh, I'm really engaged with these 60 people that I'm doing this this hundred people in a room, hundred strangers, whether they laugh. But when I, I wrote a book that took me years, ah, two people's enough. To the reaction of two people who are partly relying on their salaries for for this, um, that that's 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 enough for me. The rest and the rest of it can just go off in a void, and I will never check again. What? Of course, I want to know how it connects with people. Of course, I want to know whether these characters that I care about live on. You know, how people see them, who they liked, who they didn't like, what they think is going to happen next. You know, what bits of the story move them, what they what they think about, you know, what the characters do, what they believe. I mean, you know, some people go, well, you know, it shouldn't be about likability in characters. That's too simplistic. Well, yeah, it could be for your story. But for me, I'm interested in what characters do you like? Did you oh, do you feel like this character was treated unfairly? Do you think this character is right? Like those things are really interesting to me and I care about them. And it is a I feel like I couldn't write the story if I wasn't interested in it. No, it's not. I don't want to say engaging in how people respond to it. I don't mean going into the comments section of reviews and actively replying to them. I just mean finding out. Like, it gives, it's interesting to me and it gives me great, and it's very satisfying as an artist to know that people are reading stuff and to hear what they thought. It's just difficult when people think that my level of craft isn't up to it or like the book is a failure in some way. And, you know, that happened with the honours. People thought because it, you know, the book definitely has like a, a tipping point in it. People who thought it was going to be one genre and then found out it was another. People who, th and, that, and that was either they thought it was going to be literary fiction and then they were like, oh, this seems to have some weird elements in it. Or they thought it was going to be like fantasy and then they're like, this is just set in the world. This is just, this is just like interbellum England, Tim. This is Norfolk. This is just someone on a beach in Norfolk. What? Why are you telling us about like, what the tree looks like in spring who gives a shit like that you know there was there's all those people and it's very easy to mischaracterize um people's responses and go well you shouldn't have genre expectations um but that was their genuine experience of the book right it was too some people said it was too slow some people said it was too fast and again uh, once you get enough responses you can start sort of kind of being dismissive about them by going well some people said it was too slow some people said it was too fast those can't both be true so let's throw them both out and then you start cherry picking only the ones that are really glowing and going well you know this person this person got it and then you say about the other people who read your work oh it wasn't for you it's for these people now there's a certain validity to 
it's not for it wasn't it's not for you it's for you I, I think there's certain validity to that in that writing doesn't uh, a novel doesn't have a responsibility to be the over novel right it, you're you're not trying to write the 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 end boss of books i think sometimes actually when i am writing i am going i want to write the best book ever i want to write the book that just does everything i want a book to do but inevitably that is a constrained view of what fiction and what a novel and what a book can be what a story can be and there's always more stories and there's always ten thousand other ways you could have gone with it and there's other subjects and they're valid more in rich they're more abundant they're more incredible to someone else right so you it feels like you're writing the omnibook but that's because you're writing the book for you and although you know as we know from like my late my most recent guest professor richard wiseman was, was talking about him actually you know thinking about what other people would want first i mean he was writing non-fiction so there's some difference there but i think as a fiction writer you can go what would people you know, how can I make this writer, this idea, something that other people would really want to read that would connect with them? I think that's a completely valid way of working, right? You're considering your audience. That's how we think about stuff when we're putting together a stand-up set, right? You 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 workshop stuff through audiences and you shape it on the anvil of public opinion. And, you know, you choose what you're putting out there, but you you refine your delivery and how you and you cut stuff that isn't working and you work on picking stuff and shaping stuff and refining stuff that works for audiences so i don't think there's any difference if you want to write shaping your stuff for your audience that's fine that's not how i work <laughs> not because i don't care about my audience just cuz i'm kind of i don't know why i'm kind of guess i'm willful and i'm weird and i get possessed by ideas that's not more romantic and it's not more artistic it's just how i work and it's really hard and it's hard then to something that just occurred to me johnny random the fact that that should connect intimately that that should be a key with teeth cut to turn in the the grooves of multiple strangers hearts you know that's that seems an unreasonable requests and of course like as readers we all would like to imagine that this book has sort of been more disinterred um that it's been sort of discovered that it's kind of like its own thing rather than it's been cynically kind of like constructed to manipulate us you know we don't want to think we're so broad that we might have that it might connect with us in a way it connects with hun hundreds of thousands of other people we wanted to connect with us just us personally right or maybe not no of course it's lovely to have a fandom that you can go and share stuff with and be enthused with but um at the same over the same things at the same time talk about the same characters of course i just think it's really hard knowing that my heart's going out there you know it sounds cheesy and when i have other novelists on the show and they talk about being nervous about their new book coming out or whatever i think yeah but you're a proper writer <laughs> i do i think you're an author I, I think you've had like you've had books out how can you think this now or just like well you can't really you know i i'm very well aware that some very popular books have had you know bad reviews from different people i'm just like who gives a shit like who's this person to tell you what they liked or don't like i don't respect many people's views on on books I, I don't deny their right to have them but they have can often have massively different takes on the same material you know i read that book they read it they had a completely different feeling about it i read multiple reviews of the same book and, and the different reviews have very different feelings about it i don't go well that book must be must be shit because one person didn't like it you know you i don't hold that that's not a standard i hold any other book to and actually, when someone says a book was amazing, I often go, well, I'll be the judge of that. <laughs> or at least, well, it might have been for you, but it might not be for me. I'll, you know, I'll read about what it's about. But if it doesn't sound like something that's going to particularly interest me, I've got to say, I'm like, well, I'm sure it's, lo I lo I'm sure it's a lovely book. I'm sure it's a lovely book. I'm not, I'm not, sl you know, slagging it off. I'm not trying to do it down by saying that I don't like it. But, you know, different strokes for different folks. 
And when, you know, I've, I've reviewed books myself. I've reviewed two books from The Guardian and I wasn't very positive about them, to be honest. They weren't really, you know, there were good things about them and I tried to pick those out. But, like, my reviews, I felt a bit mean. I didn't enjoy writing those reviews. I felt a little bit like I was being forced to rat on somebody because it's just like, well, who am I to, like, stand in judgment over this book? And those were, like, for The Guardian, right? So I felt like, you know, this is one of the best... You know, it's probably one of the most read sort of like review sections in the UK. Uh, so certainly for literary fiction. So I just felt a bit like, well, I'm not the fucking Guardian. <laughs> you know, anything I say in this would be quoted as the Guardian. But it's not a it's not a being that I'm like temporarily being like sucked into the, the hive mind that is the Guardian. Jesus Christ, what a terrifying idea, right? It's kind of nonsense. I wrote reviews for the the big issue years ago, and I hated it because they they'd cut out all anything negative I had to say about it. They would actually cut it out. It's, the editor, without checking with me, would just say, "Well, why why are we reviewing it if it's if it's not if we why are we giving it space if we don't think it's very good?" I'd be like, "You fucking pick the books." I didn't say fucking. I never said anything. I was was young, and I you know terrified of, of doing something wrong and being sort of forever uh you know expelled exiled from london literati such as it is but you know so the editor would say well why are we covering it if we don't love it so just changed my reviews well why are you picking shit books but the thing is they weren't necessarily shit books they weren't necessarily shit books, but when you go to a bookshop or when you buy a book online or whatever, there's a whole, I think I've talked about this before, there's a whole subtle dance that happens before you start reading a book where you might have found out about it. You might see it on a shelf and pick it and, and see that they see the cover or see the title and go, ooh, and then you because something in that interests you. Something in the cover speaks to you, you know, whether it's like there's a, a spaceship with like a sail on it that looks like a Chinese junk hybrid and you go, oh, that sounds interesting. Or whether it's got like a lovely picture of like a, a sexy uh, topless man on a beach or whether it's, you know, um, an obviously a non-fiction title about the Boer War and there's like a black and white picture on it or something, whatever. Well, the title, or you recognise the author's name, right? You you take it down and you go, oh, like your your interest has been piqued enough to like look at a bit more. That might happen online or whatever, and then, or maybe you've heard of it because it won a prize, and you're like, oh, so you take it down, and then you maybe like examine the cover a bit more, maybe you read the blurb on the back. So again, you're getting some content, and then if you are interested, then you go and buy it, or and you could, all that can happen online or whatever through various different means, but. The, the point of that is that when once you've then bought it, there's this definite thing that has happened where you've got a you and the author have kind of got a contract has happened through that transaction. It's the same. Look, when I used to perform and be at different nights and stuff, I was always the nights that sucked the hardest, even if they paid really well were ones where, you know, it's on in a, a venue, a bar, whatever, where it was free entry. Because, and, you know, I've done free gigs since where I've been able to set it up in a way, you know, the free fringe at Edinburgh, where it's actually like events, but you can come in for free. Um, there's ways around this. But basically, if an event people can wander in and it doesn't cost them anything to get in then they often don't feel like they've got a contract with the performer. If you pay a quid to get into an event, just a pound, right? Then you're saying, you're psychologically going, I'm coming into this event. I'm entering this event, right? And weirdly, the act of you paying, although you would have thought it would make the audience think, well, we're owed something, our expectations have now been raised. What it also does, and what it does more importantly, is they go, well, I I now am invested in this gig going well. I want to be entertained. And so if you pay me, a, if I paid a pound, I'm going to give the, the act on stage some attention. I We now have a contract where I give them some attention. I give them a little bit of leeway. 
I reserve judgment and see if they're good. Whereas if you haven't paid anything, you're just kind of wondering, maybe you don't even feel like, sometimes people don't even feel the need to pay attention. Sometimes they don't feel the need to be quiet. To, they can just talk through it. Uh, they can walk out at any stage. And the same is true of books. If you're a book reviewer, you more than likely didn't grab this book going, oh, I love the work of such and such. Oh, I love Tim Clare. I'm going to read this book. Or whoever. You were given it. You were assigned it. Either by the publisher, if you're, you know, if you're a book blogger, or, um, you know, when I did the reviews for The Guardian, they were, they were, uh, these weren't books that I'd seen in a shop and gone, oh, God, that looks frigging awesome. I'm going to read this. You just get an email from uh, an editor saying, hey, we got this book for you. Do you mind reviewing it? It'll be you'll get three hundred quid, and I'm like, yeah, fucking hell, yes, of course, yeah, three hundred, three hundred fifty, whatever it is, yeah, of course, that's an afternoon's work. Cool, yeah, I'll do it. Right, it's it's that's an easy that's an easy yes for me. I'm gonna would you do you like me to pay you to have opinions on a book? Yeah, cool. But I haven't been through that dance. I don't have a contract with that book. It's not one that I've chosen. It's not one that I would normally necessarily read. So it's kind of the same thing as the difference between you inviting someone round your house for tea because you want... No, not for, not round your house. That's too, that's too full on, okay? Imagine meeting with someone on a date because you knew them, you'd hung out with them for a bit, and then they went, do you want to come on a date? And you went, yeah, all right, let's see how this goes, right? And then you meet meet with them, go watch a movie, go have dinner or whatever. So that's scenario one. Scenario two, like you happen to, you go to a restaurant to go and dine alone and the staff say, uh, the actually the only space we've got is on this table with someone else. You two can sit together, right? Like... If you sit down then on a table with a rando that you haven't, there's been no contract between you, the two of you might sit for the whole time for that whole meal in silence, right? Just eating, like looking at your phones, reading or whatever, because you didn't have a contract that you were... There's no expectation where it's like, I'm. if we eat together, we're going to like attempt to get to know one another. In fact, if they start going to you, hey, how are you doing? So what movies do you like? And they don't respond to cues to, like, shut up. You know, non-verbal cues. You must start to quite resent them. You mean, like, <laughs> I just wanted a fucking meal out on my own. And now I've got Johnny Rando here. I realise I've used that earlier on as an alias for myself. And now I'm implying that it's me. And you're imagining a date with me, in which case we do know each other. Although we don't... We haven't had an agreement that we'd be going on a date. So it'd be a bit like we just, like went out and to meet up and then i went this is and then i went this is a date <laughs> like you would you'd go no i didn't no i've said it is so i've said it is i've declared it unilaterally declared it and now we're on a date right like that would make you feel resentful right you'd be like no it's not i've said it is it is you might not be enjoying it but it's happening here we are like you can't <laughs> and this is what book reviewing feels like it feels like you've been seated opposite a stranger and you didn't even necessarily have an expectation that you'd be going on a date. Now, if that stranger turned out to be fucking hot, you were like, oh, that's the person. I think I fancy this person a little bit. And then you just like start back and forth. You get on with them. And then you start talking. You eat your mate, your mains, you're chatting, you're like, it's gone on. And then they said, Do you, and then the waiter comes and says, Do you want dessert? And you both go, Yeah. And then you're like, Choosing to have dessert, you might come away from that going, Fucking hell. You'd be like texting your friends, going, I just, oh my God, I just met someone completely at random and they were lush. You'd be like, I want to see this person again. Like, the, what are the chances? So you, that's where you get like the tendency. If you are reviewing a book and you enjoy it, Oh my god, the gratitude! Oh my god, and and the fact that this kind of like as if by magic, the, the this random strike of lightning, you found this new author, this new book that you love. Oh my god, you'll be like yes, you'll be singing its praises. 
So that's why you get these like rave reviews. Is partly because like if it is good, you are so impressed and so grateful. But otherwise, if it's just not your thing, it's hard not to be pissed off. It's hard not to just have a real bum of a time. And if the book is a bit weird, like it is with mine, and I'm not doing this whole episode as a way of going, so have you seen any bad reviews of my work? Just bear in mind, it's more of a problem with the whole institution of book reviews. I mean, Tim, that is kind of what you, that is kind of what you're doing. Like you might not, have, you, might, you might not have meant to, but you are kind of recording a long apology for, for your own work. Like, like as if to soften the blow of, while taking the the gamble that there won't be any rave reviews so you can kind of like sit up here even handed by going well rave reviews are nonsense as well and what i'm saying is like it's it is it's weird and it's odd and it's difficult as a writer to not see those people as your core audience and go oh they didn't quite get it oh it wasn't quite their thing oh i've sort of failed and, and and not forget actually they haven't gone through any of the normal dance that you would have that, that leads you to a book where you sit down and you go, I'm going to give this 50 pages and give this my attention because I want to read this because I've seen the cover and it whets my appetite, gets the old juices flying. I go, God, this looks, whoa, ooh. Like, I get that with books. I, I So often when I sit down to read a new book that I've chosen, that I've bought, I do so with this like little buzzy, tingly feeling of like, Oh, I'm so excited to like, I just, it just feels like I feel so optimistic. I feel, it feels so full of opportunity. I've, you know, I'm reading uh, the, the water margin at the moment and I wanted to read it for a while and I started reading it and I was just predisposed to like it. If it had started slow or it had been difficult, I was predisposed to keep going to give it. I always think it's like a 50 page grace period where you're like, if you've bought the book, or even if you got it out of the library, but you chose it because you wanted to, not because someone else said you had to read it, but because you wanted to read it for a while. You probably got 50 pages before you'd start thinking about giving up. Even if you weren't liking it, you'd go, well, maybe like it's going to turn around. You'd let the, if the author does something a bit weird, you're not quite sure where they're going with this. If they've got that like cushion of goodwill, they're normally about, you know, about 50 pages where you go, I want this to be good. I'm going to do my part of being charitable in how I interpret it. You know, I'm going to try and enjoy it. Um, I think that's true of most people. And it's just the fact that when you're doing a book review, you're doing it maybe for money, maybe not even for money, because it's been what sent you by the PR or by the editor. And um, it, it's hard not to feel like just someone's come and sat down by you on the bus when you thought you were going to have a spare seat next to you. And then just starts talking to you about like motocross or something. And they might be perfectly nice, but maybe you just wanted a rest and motocross isn't really your thing. And like you, you don't hate them. You just wish that they'd stop talking about motocross. So that's, you know, and that, and that is just a weird environment for your book to go out as a writer. And it's why it means so much when somebody just someone who isn't a review and i'm not fishing here i honestly am not i'm just telling you how it is from a writer's point of view um so you can know this for any writer that you ever go cool should i email this writer and say i like their book or am i going to come off as a weirdo right it that is actually our only contact with our actual read like our actual readers who read books in their kind of like natural habitat so to speak who saw the book thought oh Oh, that's piqued my interest. I'll pick it up and then read it. You know, that is our, that's our genuine heartland of readers. And it, it's, you know, and then, and there will be other readers who re read it in its natural habitat and thought, that's a bit turd. And they, they won't email you most of the time. Occasionally, there are some people who think that's appropriate to just email you and go, oh, I was really disappointed. I thought your book was a bit shit. If they want to do that, they can do that. Uh, it's fine, but you know. So I'm not suggesting that those emails are, are they're the true they're the true voice of what people think. Some people will read it and just not get to the end because they won't enjoy it. But those are the points where you actually get to see people who've read it for the normal re reasons that you would read a book, not because it's part of some kind of like obligation or larger project. And I think that's always 
it always takes a while for those to filter in. And just, guys, I'm like so... I want to sort of say to you, I don't think that the Ice House is going to make the hardback top 10 list. I think it's very unlikely. I mean, I signed 100 copies for Mr. B's Emporium, so I want to say everyone who pre-ordered, I am really, really fucking grateful you're awesome. It was such an amazing... I didn't realise how excited I was going to be until I went... Because none of this happened for the honours, but I went into Canon Gates London offices and, like, signed 130 copies of my books. And it was... I was like, well, this is just... I thought I'd go in and it'd be a bit mechanical. But actually I got in and I was fucking psyched and I was like oh my god this is like a dream this is amazing it felt amazing and I don't ever want to be too cool about stuff or too cynical to not go oh I'm so fucking lucky and again I don't want to be like cheesy kind of hashtag blessed um smug about it either but it's great it's lovely so there's lovely sides to it it's just weird because you're little heart is going out on a platter to get like either squashed or you just don't I just don't want to give people a shit time I don't want to be bad at this thing like I've given my entire life to writing I work really hard at it I've not held anything back so if this is shit like it is definitely shit on my terms it is definitely my best the hardest I've ever worked at anything I mean, it's fine as well. It's fine if people hate it. It is actually fine, right? Like, I had really just lovely cuddles with my daughter yesterday. We just have lovely chats. I love hanging out with her. You know, I had some Easter eggs this weekend. It was lovely. Like, life is full of abundance. So it's genuinely okay if it's bad. It will... I'll feel sad, but, like, it's genuinely okay, of course. But what a weird time. This like lots of authors have told me this is like, the scariest time for them. It's like seven days up to launch. Um, what I'd like to ask from you, if you're listening, to, well, whenever you're listening to this, really, the thing, the things that you could do to help me are pre-order or buy the Ice House. Talk about it on social media. Say it's you know say it's coming out you can even like lift one of the cover images from my twitter uh thread if you uh, tim uh, if you just like search the hashtag the ice house or you go at timclairpoet.co.uk at timclairpoet you can find one of my images and use those to share or share like a, a to buy link or something that would really help me just say that you're excited about it coming out um Review it on places like Amazon or Goodreads or on your blog or whatever. That really helps. Just, you know, make some noise about it um, and and buy it. All those things make a huge, huge difference. Um, but mostly I just want to say thank you for, you know, this is the first time in the recording of the show that I've got a book coming out while the show's out. You know, the, the honours had already come out when I started making the podcast. Uh because I guess the honours came out, yeah, 2015. So a lot's changed in, in me old life. But I just want to say, you know, th- th- just thanks. It's really, it's, it's May. I don't think I would have finished writing The Ice House without having this podcast and having the lovely dialogue I have with listeners. And I'm just really, I'm just, I, it's going to, because I'm asking you for stuff. <laughs> it sounds manipulative or insincere so I just you know I draw a line under the stuff where I'm saying can you move my street team and tell people about what I'm doing but um just I genuinely thank you for for just lending me your ear you know and listening because it it's helped so much and it's helped with my mental health having people to talk to it's just been nice and I feel like part of a community and it's just lovely the, uh, oh, and, and and if you'd like to come and meet up, got the Norwich launch on Wednesday, the 1st of May, got the London launch at 
uh, foils on Charing Cross on Thursday, the 2nd of May with Joe Dunthorne. Going to be looking at some people's first pages. I know some of you are based in the US, so that's not feasible. But for everyone else, you know, like I'm shitting bricks that no one's going to turn up to the London one. I think it's a big ask. I think it's a long way for some people to come. Uh, Like tickets are like eight quid. Like we're going to do like a full you know, hour and a half, two hour show, like, and then we're going to be signing our books. We're going to do readings. We're going to look at people's first pages. We're going to record a live podcast. It's going to be really fun. But I can see that if people look at and see a, a ticket's eight quid, I'd be like, fucking hell. Who do you think you are? Now you can get the ticket price like back if you buy a ticket with a book, but then it's like over 15 quid, which is a lot of money. Like to drop like 18 quid on a ticket, I'd expect to see a band for that. So I'm, I'm very nervous that people will see those kind of ticket prices and think, fucking hell. Um, on the uh, So I'd just like to say, if you'd love to come, I know, I, know, I know some people are coming. I don't want to put people off by going, it will just be you and me looking resentful and anxious. But if you'd like to come, um, you will receive a warm welcome from me. Not over familiar, not too cloying not too desperate but just i would love to see some of you guys and say hello we're running the event we're gonna be critiquing some first pages so hopefully it's gonna be really useful loads of information for writers if you're there we'll do a little q a as well we can talk about writing we can really really kind of crunch down into some stuff about being better writers and it's going to be the launch that's the launch day of the ice house so hopefully i can sell some joe's got a new uh poetry collection out so hopefully That'll be a good one. I always like hanging out with Joey D. Should be good. And then um, on uh, Tuesday the 14th of May. Yeah, Tuesday the 14th of May. I'm doing Mr. B's in Bath. Would love to see you there if you live in the West Country area. And if you're a little bit further west and south, then I will be returning to my old stomping ground of Bristol on Wednesday the 15th of May. And I will be doing another live podcast this time with um, British Science Fiction Association Award winner uh, Gareth L. Powell. And I say that, but like, I mean, he just won this weekend at EasterCon. He just won for his, um, for Embers of War. Um, he's won a new award. So I'm really glad that I asked him to come on the show before he became another award winner and, and, and becomes um much more um much more popular and in demand and I uh, can't do things like that with me. But um anyway he's gonna be coming to Storysmith in Bristol. Storysmith has got a capacity of about twenty five thirty. Uh so if you want to come to that event please do book. But if you live in the West Country we'd love to see you. We're gonna be looking at people's first pages, talking writing. Uh Gareth's got a new book out called about writing his creative writing guide so there'll be copies of that um that you can uh pre-order on storysmith's website and of course he'll have his books and i will have my books i would love to sign some copies of the ice house for you any of those you'd like to go to um you can just search any of the different venues and uh, i'd love to see you anyway i think that's it for me for now um I am really grateful for you listening. I hope some of that has been interesting or useful or insightful for you. Um, if it hasn't, then I hope you enjoyed the walk you went on while you were listening or, you know, the workout you were doing or you got the washing up done that you needed to. Have a wonderful week of writing and I'll speak to you very, very soon. <laughs>